on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. My production manager schedules an initial walkthrough with the customer. He shows up and the first words out of his mouth are, you know, we're here to give you a great job and earn a five-star review. Not be given, but earn a five-star review. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. All right, everybody. I'm Chaz Wolf. I'm back. I'm your host, Gathering the Kings. This week, I've got Evan Simmons. Bro, welcome to the stage. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Yeah, man. It's so good to uh, to have you come through, and I can't wait to hear your story, but tell us what kind of business that you got, brother. Yeah, definitely. So I run a residential and commercial painting company here in the Denver, Colorado area. Um, we do, like I said, primarily residential. Uh, but also commercial and tenant finish repaints, interior and exterior. And we're coming up on our three-year anniversary here this upcoming week. So wow. exciting stuff. It's yes, been sir. a fast three years then, my man. <laughs> a very, very, very fast three years, man. Still catching my breath, trying to keep that's, up. That's for sure. <laughs> that's right, man. I, I think that every every person, you know, obviously, you know, at the at the revenue marker that you that you're at, but every person that has gotten momentum in that short a period of time is trying to catch their breath. So you're, you're amongst good company. And so congratulations on that. I mean, to do what you've done in, in three years is pretty remarkable. So tell us a little bit about maybe how you got started. Like where, where did entrepreneurialism start for you? Was it this business? Was it something different? Kind of like, give us your background a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think as far as it relates to like the paint industry, I worked with Sherwin Williams for 10 years prior to starting the company. So I think that allowed me to kind of hit the ground running, so to speak, just understanding the industry that I was taking, you know, hopping into. And I was working as a residential sales rep. So I was kind of able to work with some bigger companies that were doing it really well and excelling and some of nice. the newer companies that were just starting off. So I think that obviously kind of gave me some insight and helped me kind of hit the ground running, so to speak. But I guess entrepreneurship, man, goes way back for me. I think it goes back to, um, I can remember as a kid, right? walking around with the neighborhood kids and, you know, raking leaves or mowing lawns, that type of stuff. And I think I was always kind of instilled, um, instilled in me from like an early age that, you know, if you want things or you want to do things that you have to work for it. So I, you know, I remember all the summer jobs and all that stuff that really kind of, I guess, curtailed and created that work ethic. Yeah. Me. Yeah. So. I love that. I, I've got so many questions as far as what you've just said. And I want to dig in, but before we do that, I'm curious to know at this level, like, I mean, you're a young guy, you know, being at a seven figure revenue marker or above, like you've, you've in essence done something that less than 10% of all companies do. Like you've made it right. Quote unquote. Why do mm. you push now, man? Like why, why continue to push? Yes, sir. Well, I think it's one of those where in my mind, I haven't made it. Right. I set off on this journey of entrepreneurship. I really wanted to kind of build a business from the ground up and create something that I could kind of hop into or hop out. So for me, you know, it's still a work in progress, man. Lots of work to right. be done, still plenty of levels to hit. And so for me, by any means, I don't feel like I've made it, so to speak. I feel like there's plenty of work to still be done and 
that's what gets me up in the morning and gets me going. That's awesome, man. I want to know. So before I ask this question though, of of where is done or where are you going? What you just said totally made me think of that interview from Kobe Bryant, where, you know, they'd won, I think like maybe one or two games in the finals. And it's like the famous deal where the reporter's like, you're not happy. And he's like, job done. No, I didn't think so. You know, like that's, that's totally the response that I just got from you, which is it's cool. Like it's good. Like congrats on the two wins, but like, you know, I don't have a trophy. It's still working. Exactly. So, so what is it? What is the trophy for you? Like, what is the, the finals? What's the, the end thing that you're after that you, that the job's not done for you? It's, that's a great question. First off, I think, uh, honestly, that's a hard thing to answer. I'm not sure. I think it may be the way I'm wired, but I'm not sure if I'll ever be truly satisfied or if I'll ever really reach the mountaintop, so to speak. I think that maybe once I get to, you know, whatever that goal may be right now, you know, two, three years from now, you know, I might reach that goal and I'll say, Hey, well, there's another step. Hey, this isn't the mountaintop. There's another peak up there that we can go get. So that's a hard question to answer. Honestly, I think that again, I, my why, so to speak, was I wanted to create something that created freedom. Um, but I'm the type of person where you give me a couple of weeks off, give me a couple of weeks of vacation. I'm coming back hungry and you know, thinking, Hey, what's next or what else I can do. So yeah, I'm not sure what that is, Chaz, to be honest with you. That's all right. If if anything, I've provoked some thought, but, but I think your answer, you know, makes perfect sense. I think that a lot of people listening and I know even myself, like I relate to that where it's like, we just keep hitting these false tops, right? Like we think like, okay, there's my current target and I'm after it and I'm hardcore, I'm dialed in. Right. And, and we get there and it's not like this, like, Oh, this is it. It's not like that at all. It's just, you just happen to now have a better view and you realize sure. that it's not quite the top yet. And so you're, you, you, you can be there for a minute. You can have this good, healthy perspective of being grateful and thankful. And then you realize it's time to get back to work. Yes, sir. I think that's exactly it. That's awesome, man. Okay. So let's go back into your journey a little bit. And, and you said you were kind of, you know, you know, getting started three years ago. And so you've, you've been on this like very fast paced deal. I want to know, along the way, a good decision that you've made that just allowed for the scalability type of growth that you've had? Because I mean, zero to seven plus figures in three years is incredible. Oh, I appreciate that, man. I think I would say one big decision or one thing that really helped, you know, kind of launch our growth and continue kind of the pace that we were at was finding and hiring the right people. I think when I first got started out, obviously as a new entrepreneur, you're doing a lot of things yourself. You're trying to wear, you know, 20 different hats at a time, which put a lot of stress, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of work, a lot of stress. So you know, about the year, year and a half mark, I was able to hire and bring on my first full-time employee. I brought on a production manager to really allow me to kind of hone in and focus on, um, you know, the entrepreneur things, the things that were going to drive the business forward. And in turn, you know, still have somebody that was there for quality control, there to kind of relay that experience to our customers. So I think probably the biggest thing would be finding the right people, not just people, but the right people to kind of fill seats and, you know, realize there's only 24 hours in a day, right? Seven days a week. So um, there's not an ability to do everything and be successful without burning yourself out. So I think that would probably be the biggest thing that I would look to is, you know, being able to find and bring on the right people. Yeah. And I, I want to, I want to expound into this just because I, I know a little bit more of your story than what you've shared so far, but because even at what you just said, when you brought on the, and your first full-time person to, to, to project manage before that, it's not like you were painting, you, you, you had crews that you were managing. So exactly. that's, that's, that's even step number one, really. Sure. Right? Like, sure. There are people out there right now, potentially listening to this podcast who are still doing the work, whatever the business is, whether it's in the trade, sure. whether it's the marketing, whether it's whatever. And so 
there has to be a play for them to step out of that and then into a management role. And then what you said is even like the next level of, okay, so now I needed to hire a key role so that the actual task itself can be managed, but not even by me either. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that was key. You know, ultimately you're only as good as your people. And, you know, we run a subcontractor model, but ultimately, you know, not all subs are created equal, right? Right. Not all painters are the same quality painter, right? So being able to, I think, again, my background and my experience in the industry and my connections in the industry kind of allowed me or pointed me in the direction of some people that were good fits from the get-go, from the start. Um, but also that, you know, that's one of those things that's a reoccurring issue that you're dealing with, you know, not just at the beginning, it's always, you know, being able to acquire, you know, hire and retain, you know, good employees and people that match your, your core values and what you're looking to accomplish as a business as a whole. So yeah, um, yeah, I would say that that was humongous finding the right people and putting them in the right seat, so to speak. Yeah, I think that you're right on. And, and it makes me actually think of several good friends that I have that, are in like, whether it's insurance or real estate agents who are bringing on other, you know, 1099s. And that's in essence, what a, what a sub is, is that they're, they're part of you, (laughs) but, but they're kind of their own person also. And so the difficulty there of leading that person is different than a W2 and and, and in some ways much harder, right? Because they're part of your team. They need to be part of your DNA, but at the same time, they can technically just say, screw you. I'm gonna go do my own thing. So, so give us some insight there of like how you've been able to manage that as far as like, you know, finding the right people, keeping them in the right seat. Like, what have you actually done in the practical there to like connect with that type of relationship, that person that doesn't really have to be there, but they are. Definitely. Well, I think that that's great. Awesome question. I think that's the biggest thing is that ultimately you're looking to create a a mutually beneficial relationship, right? Right. You want people that match your values, that match what you, you know, match your customer, your ideal target market. So I think it's, you know, being able to vet and, you know, really sit down with these, you know, 1099s up front and relay what you're looking for and, understanding that it's not really, you know, anybody and everybody's not going to be a fit and being honest about that up front. I think one thing that's made our business or, you know, that's helped is the flexibility for, you know, 1099 contractors because they can work with me, you know, I can keep them busy, but if they sell their own projects, have their own opportunities, having that flexibility to still be able to kind of do their own. So I think being able to find that middle point, so to speak, you know, being able to find that mesh point where it works for both parties and then ultimately taking care of, taking care of your guys. I think, you know, if you don't take care of your guys, then you don't have your guys. Right. So first and foremost, I think it's someone else will. um, (laughs) Exactly. For sure. So keeping them busy, paying them, you know, well, and then, you know, doing those other small things that I think go unnoticed sometimes, you know, but if people know that they're valued and they really see it as a mutually beneficial partnership, I feel like that goes a, a very, very long way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Okay, so let's flip the coin over and let's talk about a bad decision that you've made. I mean, you, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this answer because of all the growth that you've had. I'm sure there's been some mistakes, but give us the juiciest one you can, you can think of. Yeah, I would say probably the biggest mistake is I think when you, or when I started off, I can't speak for anyone else, but when I started my business, I tried to be any and everything to everybody. Mm. I think the saying goes that, you know, the person that chases multiple rabbits catches none. Um, And I remember starting out, you know, saying, oh, we can do interior painting. We do exterior painting. We can do decorative concrete. We can do fences. We can do epoxy flooring. We kind of tried to be too many things to, you know, 
any and every customer. Right. Uh, and I think that, you know, we learned some tough lessons going through that. Give us one. Tell us the details. Sure. Well, I think, <laughs> uh, for instance, we took on a polyaspartic uh, floor coating project my first year in business. And it was something, again, I came from a paint manufacturer. So, you know, I knew the products, I knew the process, but it was something we hadn't done before. So, you know, being able to relay realistic expectations or relay what a process should look like. And we had a customer that, you know, ultimately the floor turned out great, but there were some imperfections that he wasn't necessarily happy. And it, you know, it became a headache, you know, ultimately I wouldn't say we bit off more than we could chew because I think we produced the project and ultimately the customer was happy overall, but sure. you know, it took a lot of time we were way over budget on the project. We couldn't really account for, you know, the materials that were needed on the job prior to. So you know, big learning opportunity. I wouldn't say it was a, you know, I guess a, a bad decision, but I, I like to see it more as learning opportunities, things that, you know, you, you take on, you try out, you realize, is it really a fit or what you want to be or, you know, what you're trying, the solution you're trying to provide. So yeah, I would say that was probably a prime example of just, you know, targeting the wrong market or a customer that ultimately wasn't really for us or what our core mission or what we're looking to accomplish was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you're hundred percent right. Obviously like this is something that, that a lot of owners do. And I would say that every owner has done it to a degree before they finally realize. And, and, and I think the scarcity play and, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but you were scared at the beginning. Right. And that's most people are like, ah, I'm brand new. Yeah. Like I got to get jobs. Sure. I got to kind of hustle. And so what would you say to the person listening right now? Who's kind of in that place of like, ah, oh, I hear you, Evan. Like, I know what you're saying. I got to dial in, but like, man, if I do, then I, then I turn away this money and I'm like, I'm just trying to grow as it is. And I'm, if, who am I to turn away money? What would you say to that response? I would say that a lot of times the, the ones that you know you shouldn't take on are those opportunities that don't feel or don't seem like the right fit. A lot of times they're creating more headache than benefit. And I think your time is better utilized and spent ultimately going after what your target, you know, customer or market is. So I think- that should be step one, you know, for a new entrepreneur is really identifying what your target market is, what your customer looks like, and in turn marketing to that customer. But I feel like ultimately pulling yourself in too many directions or trying to be, you know, any and everything for everybody ultimately just, you know, again, can cause issues, can cause troubles. And very worst case will be learning opportunities that you can learn from and grow from eventually. But I would say that it is important to know who you're looking to market to, as opposed to just marketing to any and everybody. I feel like that's very, yeah, exactly. I think even just for the delivery perspective, like what you're saying is that the time worth spent doing the actual thing can be honed in, especially if you're just focused on the same thing over and over, you get better and better and better, which makes it make more money for you as well sure. as it, it, it produces a better product, which then usually gets you more business and more referrals sure. and more better, you know, a good experience on the, on the back end for the client. So lots of good ways of, of what Evan's telling you guys right now to, to, to lean in one quick thing. This is interesting because you had mentioned this earlier when you were working at the paint shop, you said you got to see, you know, companies that were doing it well and companies that weren't doing it well. What, like, what was the difference? Like what, why, what, what stood out as one doing it well and the other one not doing it well? Yeah. Well, I think it was more, I was a sales rep. So right. I was kind of working hand in hand with, you know, residential contractors, but I went from a huge territory with, you know, multi-million dollar companies to a brand new scratch territory with guys that were just starting out. Um, I think the biggest thing 
you realize is that the bigger companies, they have systems in place, right? They've had a proven process. They've been doing it for a while. So there's little tidbits here and there. I mean, from every customer that I could take away, right? Which yeah. kind of gave me this whole database of things to pull from or ideas when I started out, you know, trade secrets, so to speak. But I think the biggest thing is like systems and infrastructure, right? That no matter who the customer is, no matter what the project is, that things are being done uh, uh, an exact way, right? I found out too that, you know, marketing the customer Customers, how to build value, right? If you're just a price guy or a price, you know, you're basing everything on price and not bringing value to the to the table, I feel like it sets you up for failure and sets you up with the wrong type of customer. So right. I knew off that, you know, that marketing was going to be huge, that branding was going to be huge, that going into a, an estimate, you know, being able to relay that to the customer, you know, so the marketing material, the brochures, the pamphlets, being able to speak about my experience, right? Being in the industry, yeah. offering a product that ultimately is bringing a benefit to the customer and then being able to relay that benefit and the alternative, right? Versus the market, right? If I'm coming to market with this particular product, what makes that better than the paint that, you know, the guy that walks up and writes an estimate down on a piece of paper, um, you know, yep. how to really distinguish and, and, you know, build that value proposition for that customer so that they understand, you know, what value you bring and then ultimately why they want to work with you. So I think that was probably the biggest difference from, you know, I guess the yep. bigger companies that were more established versus the the new companies that were just getting started out, you know, the knowledge and experience, the branding, uh, what you bring to the table to break, to build value with your prospective customer. Yeah. I, so everything that you just said, just kind of recap for the, for the listener here. I mean, he said systems, which is a hundred percent true and a repeatable process, which is also a hundred percent true, but those apply to both the front and the back end of the business. And he, he, he actually said it right here, but I'm just, I want to recap it. So on the front end, it's the experience of your sales process. That's what, that's what he's talking about when you, when you talk about value, what, how are you interacting with your client through the marketing and then sales process so that they feel like you're not only providing them what they need, but that, that you're the right one to do it and that, and that, sure. they, that they want you to do it. And then on the back end, it's the same thing. You have to deliver the product, even though that the project sure. might be a little different each time you need to deliver it in a systemizable way. And so there's opera, there's operations, there, there's systems for all of that, but what you're saying kind of as a nutshell is you got to have a repeatable process. Am I, am I, am I hearing you right? A hundred percent. It has to be repeatable. You have to be able to explain it and you have to be able to build value in it to make yeah. sure that the customer realizes what makes you different from anybody else that they're going to be having out for an estimate. So yeah, um, it also sets really good expectations, right? Like on the back sure. end, if they know what to expect, then usually that that's where disgruntled or bad experience comes from is just like a misunderstanding. Right. Sure. Yeah. But it's all communication. So yeah, I think being able to display it, you know, I think a lot of times people are visual, so they need to see it. You can explain it. You can come in with this huge spiel, but right. being able to like, you know, actually present and show a customer and explain a customer. So they have realistic expectations and an understanding for what that project may look like, I think right. goes a, a long way. Yeah. hundred percent. I love it. Okay. Do you have Evan, some sort of a, like a process or a discipline that you follow to make good decisions now, now that you've kind of been through the, 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 the difficulty, if you will, like, what do you, what do you do now? 
I guess the biggest thing is understanding that, you know, I'm still a work in progress and that our company's still a work in progress. I think, you know, when you hire the right people and fill the seats with the right, you know, the right team, so to speak, that it gives you, you know, great sounding board. I've been a firm believer, you know, that I don't want this to be a dictatorship, right? right. As I brought in, you know, team members and production managers, office secretaries, things of that sort, you know, that we're a team ultimately. And their experiences, what they see, what they've heard means a lot. So I think realizing that, you know, we may be running at, you know, I would say great efficiency and things are running smoothly that we could always be better. So I think being open to listening to not only your team, but to your customers, good. we're really big with trying to get feedback after every project and obtain a review, but just constructive criticism, right? What can we yeah. do better? You know, what did you enjoy about this process? What did you not like? You know, what could we have done better? You know, even one thing I do when I go out to prospective customers is I ask, hey, have you hired a painter in the past? You know, what was your experience? Tell me more about it. What did you like? What did you not like? I think the more information you can gather about what is working and what's not gives you an opportunity to fix it. Whereas if you're, you know, have your head in the sand and you're like, hey, everything is great. We're doing everything exactly how it's supposed to be done. I think that's what tends to kind of bite you in the backside, so to speak. So I think being open and understanding that it's an evolving process and that you have to evolve with your customers and with your team in order to kind of take those next steps. Yeah, that's a great answer. I love it. One thing that you said in there as far as like following up after the projects and and even trying to go for a review, doesn't doesn't that Evan leave like them like, you know, a spot to complain. Obviously, I'm playing a little little uh, devil's advocate sure. here, but like, help help sure. me out here. Help help the listener understand. Why would you call them and say, "Hey, what'd you think? What did 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 you like it? Did we do a good job? What could we have done better?" Like, why would you spend the time doing that when it just opens the door for complaint? Well, I think it's all comes out of perspective and what you're looking at, right? If you think you or if you know, not if you think, if you know you provide a great process, you know you provide a great end product. Yeah. Uh, people are going to be proud of and happy about, I feel like it doesn't really open the door. You know, it does open the door, I guess, for negative criticism if they didn't have a good experience. But I think by the experience that we hope to bring and that we're upfront about, I think when we lead, you know, my production, production manager schedules an initial walkthrough with the customer. He shows up and the first words out of his mouth are, you know, we're here to give you a great job and earn a five-star review, not be given, but earn a five-star review. And I think that if you're leading with that and setting that expectation that they're going to have a five-star experience and that you're going to yeah. put your money where your mouth is and actually perform and deliver that, then I think, um, you know, it's setting that expectation up front and then the customer feels yeah. an obligation, so to speak, to be able to follow through. So, yeah. you know, we say that up front, we ask for it up front and we say, hey, you know, if we're able to, well, once we deliver, you know, this five-star experience. We would love a review. You know, a lot of customers are happy at the end to be able to, to write us that review. And I think that's one cool thing about painting is that, you know, they're transformations, right? These people are living in a home or let's just say the exterior of a house, right? That's what yeah. they're seeing every day. They pull out the garage, they pull into the garage, they see that every day. So when you yeah. see this dramatic difference and fresh paint and you know, premium craftsmanship, customers are happy. They're excited, right? It's this transformation. So I think it all in all gives us this opportunity to really provide a service that I think makes a difference and makes our customers happy. And once we do that with our communication and the overall experience, we're confident that if we ask for a review, it's going to be a positive review, not negative criticism about their experience. Yeah. Well, and, and if they did have a bad experience, you would actually want to know that, wouldn't you? <laughs> 
Yeah, we definitely want to know it. And I think that, again, we're kind of a hands-on company where our production manager is on site daily throughout the project. So if anything, we get an opportunity to resolve those objections up front, right? We're communicating, we're there, we're available, right? Customer comes home at five o'clock at night and has a question or a concern. You know, they have that point of contact um, to reach out to. And then of course, we're on top of it to make sure that, you know, we're resolving any objections or any problems to make sure that the customer is having a good experience. So I think it goes back to just, again, creating that experience that, you know, customers are going to enjoy and that ultimately if you provide that, you can feel confident that, you know, asking for a review or opening up that Pandora's box, so to speak, is going to you know come out with a positive result. Yeah. hundred percent. Love that. Okay. Evan, you ready for the speed round? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. First question is if you could only pick one metric out of your entire business to track forever and ever, what would it be? Definitely customer experience. So I would say, you know, re- those reviews, right? I think that comes down to me, you know, the numbers obviously matter and we track our numbers and review our numbers and make plans based on that. Um, But if we're taking care of our customers, if we have happy customers, um, not only are they going to become repeat customers, not only are they going to refer us to friends and family, but just organically, we've really been able to build this business, you know, not investing in much marketing or um, social media management campaigns, anything. It's just been kind of word of mouth. So I would say customer satisfaction, um, it's probably the the most valuable metric or the thing that I would want to track because I think ultimately if you take care of your customers and you do good work that, you know, that sales fund is going to stay full. Yeah, that's huge. I think I loved how you tied it back to sales because, you know, a lot of times the answer is, you know, sales or revenue or net profit, which is understandable. That probably would be my answer as well, but your that was your answer too, but you got there through the experience and, and those, and the, the tracking of it through reviews and such. So I love that. Second question is this, what book would you recommend that a six figure earner or a owner read trying to get to that seven figure revenue? Market? Um, I got two for you, actually. Okay. I would say number one, step one is the E-Myth revisited by Michael Gerber. Yeah. As far as systems, processes, being able to kind of create that franchise model that's transferable, you know, so that the process is the same every time, no matter who's performing it. I think that was huge and humongous for me, especially starting out. Um, so I would say that that's big. The second one that I that I think has just been transformational and really big for our business is Traction by Gina Wickman. Yeah. We reviewed that book, read it multiple times as a team. We practice it, you know, on the daily. We have our quarterly rocks that we're chasing after. But I think you know Traction really allowed us to create a team vision and understand, you know, goals and where we're headed. I think the first, you know, year and a half or so of the business, we were just kind of taking it day by day, just whatever came our way. But I think that traction really has allowed us to create a vision, create goals, and then break down those goals into smaller goals and then smaller goals so that it's easily trackable and knowing that you are making changes. So yeah, I would say Traction by Gino Wickman is a a must read and a great, great book to kind of help align your team and get everybody on the same page. It also really helps with, you know, identifying what the ideal, you know, employee is and, you know, being able to find the right people and put them in the right seats. Because I think a lot of times we have a tendency to kind of, you know, just hire to hire, so to speak. And a lot of times that can cause more issues than than help if it's not done correctly. Yeah, because I think to your point, there's there's two different types of maybe decisions that you make in the hiring process is who is this person? Are they a good fit for the bus? And and then 
what seat specifically on the bus are they best suited for? Because they can they can be a good person, they could be a you know good attitude, good fit morally and and culturally, but maybe they're in the wrong seat or you hired them for the wrong position, and and that's just a quick and easy move as long as you can recognize it. So I think that that's that's great that you've been able to uh, to say that and also figure it out amongst your team. I love how you said you, the team has read it too because that's a pretty easy way to communicate a message. Is like we all receive the message at the same time in the same place, sure. in the same space of time, you know. Yeah, having the opportunity to read it as a team, you know, obviously our business is somewhat seasonal. You know, we do interiors year round, but our, you know, bread and butter is exterior repaints. And here in Colorado, you can only do those, you know, from, you know, May through November or so. So during our slower season, we really took the opportunity as a team to kind of read through it, you know, have weekly meetings to go through what we read, how that related to our business, how, what we could implement. And again, I think getting everybody on the same page and headed in the same direction, understanding what your goals are, just creates a, another level of buy-in and really has allowed us to, you know, grow pretty quickly just with everybody being on the same page. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Do you intentionally network and mastermind with other entrepreneurs? Definitely. Why? Um, sure. Well, business, I'm, I'm a part of a BNI group here in the Denver area. Um, and that's just been absolutely humongous for my business. I would say, you know, for any new entrepreneur, especially that's in a trade or a service industry, highly, highly, highly recommend BNI. I think, you know, being not only being able to kind of network with, you know, like-minded entrepreneurs, but a lot of people that are going through the same you know, things that you are, you know, a lot of people that are just starting off or branching off. So the opportunity and ability to kind of grow with others, I think is, is great. And then also, you know, having 30, 35 people that know you, know you well, know you personally, and can refer you with confidence, I think is a amazing way to kind of help build your exposure, especially at the ground levels organically, right? Yeah. I can, you know, show around or hop around and, you know, introduce myself to, you know, 15, 20 people in a week. But, you know, if I have 30 people that know me well, and as soon as, you know, they, somebody in their network has a request for a painter, they can refer me with confidence. I feel that means it makes a huge difference. I mean, the mastermind groups, I think as well, are, are humongous. I'm a part of one that's been really big for my business. I think being able to especially talk to people that are in the same industry as you and, you know, lots that have a lot more experience than I have and been around the block a couple of times. It's great to be able to pick their brains and see what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them, mistakes they've made in the past. I think it saves a lot of time and energy to, you know, not have to go through and make some of the mistakes that others before you have. So I think you know, still having relationships in the industry, still talking to previous customers of mine, and then being that for other people too, right? A lot of people have reached out and, you know, hey, Evan, how did you do this? Or, hey, Evan, it seems like you're killing it here. Like, what, what advice would you give me? I think being able and willing to be that for others has been, you know, really big for me too, being able to be that resource and knowing that I've had people do the same for me. So I'm, I'm big in the networking and mastermind. Yeah. 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 You've given us several examples. I, I just want to say the, the, just to reiterate the last piece that you said there for the listener, because most likely at the stage that the listener is at, not quite at that seven figure mark yet, it's so difficult to be able to want to give back. Right. And that's really that last piece that you said is whether it's a part of a group or, you know, just a local thing that you do in your community. But when you, when you pour into other people, specifically entrepreneurs, even you're basically, you're, 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 you're reiterating or you're coaching for lack of better terms yourself. Sure. And I did this for many years where it's like, you know, people would ask, oh, I would spend the time coaching, whether it was sales or, or business before I ever got paid for it. 
it was because I was coaching me. <laughs> yeah. I was a being, I was staying accountable to me and my processes. And because there was no way I was going to teach somebody else to do it if I wasn't doing it myself, just for sure. basic integrity. So I loved how you said that because that really is the full circle of you can tell when someone's at, I love, you can tell someone at, at a certain revenue perspective in their business because of their perspective on the community. And so that piece that you just gave, if I had not known you, if I had not known your balance sheet or your amount of revenue, I still would have guessed that you were at the place that you are because when people are as much of a giver as they much, as they try to get and receive, it, it changes the dynamic of not only their business, their team, but just the actual like reach of their business. It feels like, at least that's my experience. Would you agree with that? Definitely agree with that. I think B and I is like, you know, main slogan is givers gain. And I'm a firm believer in that. I feel like what you give kind of comes back full circle. And so, like I said, you know, ultimately when I started out, you know, knowing that I had connections and, you know, previous customers, previous friends that, you know, own painting companies, being able to pick their brain. I remember kind of how valuable that was to me when I was starting out and just getting started. So being able to provide that and be that for other people, I know is just kind of putting it back in the universe because there's some levels that I haven't reached yet that ultimately I want to get there. And I know the people that are there now, you know, I'm hoping that they have that same kind of you know ability to be able to put a hand down and say, hey, this is what I did, or hey, this is what I would recommend or point you in the right direction. So yeah. I'm definitely trying to be that, that be the change that we want to see, right? I love it. Yes. Thank you. I got, I got one question for you. I'm going to surprise you with it. It's a question that I didn't prep you with. If you only had one hour each week to run your business, what would you do in that one hour to successfully run your business? Hmm. One hour. One hour. That's all you get. I would go back to, you know, I'll put it back to the customer, right? I would communicate with my customers, current projects that are going on that week, prospect or, you know, projects that are scheduled for the following week. I think, you know, reaching out, setting expectations, checking in with them, you know, reiterating kind of process of what to expect from us. So yeah, that's a tough question, Chaz. I don't think an hour is enough, man, to, get, <laughs> you know, to run a business. Not yet. I not think, yet. You're not there yet. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, I think that's step one though, right? Customer, we're a customer focused company. We're customer oriented. It's all about customer experience. So my mind right away just shoots to what can I do to make sure that my customer is taken care of and that my customer understands. Um, kind of where they're at in the pipeline, what's coming and what to expect. So setting realistic or just expectations with my customers. If I only had one hour a week, that's where I would spend that hour. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Last question. Are you ready? All right. Let's do it. If you lost it all, Evan, what would you do? Man. Ah, that one I struggle with, Chaz. I, I think first thing I would do, actually, first thing I know I would do is I would vacation. I, I probably... <laughs> I'd probably take like, you know, two, three weeks. I was going to say, you already said you're, you can only take two or three weeks before you get hungry again. So we know you wouldn't be gone for long. <laughs> exactly, man. I would give a little time just to refresh. I think that, you know, this entrepreneurship journey, right? Um, I think if anything, it's really taught me that it is a marathon, not a sprint, right? That yeah. the way I see this is it's a long-term thing. And so, yeah, I think that if I lost it all, I would definitely reset, rest, clear my mind, uh, get an opportunity. I think that, you know, just as our society, right, we're just kind of trained and conditioned to work, 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 work. And I think once you start a business, especially those first couple of years, you're just work, 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 working. So I think, you know, the ability to kind of reset, rest, take a break, take a deep breath, um, get back to what really matters, right? You know, spend some time with my family, spend time with my wife, my daughter, 
you know, those are the things that really truly matter. And I think, you know, running a business or working in general is awesome. And I'm glad I'm an ambitious person. So, you know, it's, it means a lot to me to be able to wake up every morning and say, okay, hey, you got to get after it. But if I lost it all, I would probably take a deep, deep breath and reset and then just get back to it. I think that this whole journey has taught me a lot about business in general. And so I feel like if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't make a lot of the mistakes that I learned the first time around. Right. right. So yeah, I would take a second to reset and then I would just get right back to it, my man. That's awesome. Great answer. Appreciate that. Okay. Evan, how can someone connect with you? They want to reach out to you. They want to, they want to pick your brain. They want to just find you on social. How, how can they find you? Yeah. Well, they can find me on social media. I'm on Facebook. Again, my name is Evan Simmons. I'm on Facebook. We can be reached. I'm on LinkedIn as well. So you can always connect with me there. As far as the company, again, it's Panoramic Pro Painting. We're on Instagram. We got a YouTube channel in the works. So Lots of cool stuff coming, but yeah, check us out online, visit our website. We're really proud of our website. We'd love to showcase our work, showcase our testimonials. If you check us out on Google, we have over 60 five-star reviews and a 4.9 rating, only, only one bad review, you know, since we started the company out. So, yeah. um, you know, ultimately that's where you can find us. If you're, you're looking for us and want to see more pictures of our work and get a better idea of our process. Yep. I love it. Well, you've given so much value here today. Congratulations on three years of just, I'm sure you've been running at an extremely fast pace, but congrats, congratulations on the success that you've had. And even just like the value that you've given here today, it just, it just exudes from you. I can tell that you live this every day. I can tell that it's in your being it's, it's who you're meant to be. So it's an honor to, to run with guys like you. So thank you for your time today. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Chaz. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Gathering the Kings. We hope you got a ton of value today and learned a thing or two about taking your business to seven figures and beyond. If you desire more and want a community around you to help you get there, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. That's gatheringthekings.com. And I want you to apply for our next Becoming a King 90-Day Intensive. We are extremely exclusive by nature as a group. What that means is that we're really wanting only the entrepreneurs who take their business and targets super serious to apply. So if that's you, you think you got what it takes to level up your business, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com and apply. And we will see you on the other side.